We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 as we uh, get kicked off this morning, so you can go ahead and open your, your Bibles there. The passage that uh, Kayla read as the, as the candle was lit was from Luke chapter 2. Um, that was on the very first day of Jesus' life on earth. Okay? Luke chapter 2, they announced this day is born to you, a Savior, the Messiah. And so Luke chapter 2, first day of Jesus' life on earth, we're going to re- be reading from Luke chapter 24 today, and it's on some of the last days of Jesus' life on earth. Okay, so, so um, in the first, Emmanuel, God with us, arrives on the scene to dwell among us. In the passage we're going to read here in just a second, this same Jesus, this same Emmanuel, has accomplished everything he said he came to accomplish. He came and, and he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And he lived a sinless life. And he took your sin and my sin to the cross. And he was, he was murdered there. And he was put in a tomb. And he conquered hell itself. And walked out of the tomb. And what we're going to read happened on that very day. The very day that Jesus had just come out of that tomb. We're going to pick up in verse 13 of Luke, Luke uh, 24. And it may not be a, a typical Christmas passage. But... Um, Hopefully I can, I can connect the dots for you this morning. We're going we're gonna to read a pretty good chunk of this chapter. And so, starting with verse 13. And this is what the Word says. That very day, the day that Jesus was, was resurrected, that very day two of them, disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early This morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going on farther, farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. It is towards evening, and the day is far spent. He went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. 
And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. Verse 44. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Father, I pray that you would... Uh, you would Tell us something that we desperately need to hear today. Um, show us a picture of you and your heart. Quiet some people's minds right now. Kind of calm the pace of their life enough to recognize you if they see you. To hear your voice if you whisper. Never let us get over the story that didn't end in Bethlehem. It started there. And the passages we've read this morning are bookends to the gospel, to the greatest story ever told. And it wasn't just told. You lived it. And you lived it perfectly. And you call us to follow you, to live like you, to love like you. Father, that's a high calling, and we desperately need your help and your indwelling spirit to move us down that road. So I pray this morning, in the, in the moments we have in your word together, you might move us all a little closer to what you want us to be. And all God's people said, Amen. Our theme for the series is the word dwell. And dwell can mean a lot of different things, it can mean um, living. Where, where you live, abiding. It can mean re- remaining. It can mean merely staying. It can mean just pausing. Just literally pause, like dwelling in the moment. That's my prayer for all of you today. That whatever's going on in your life, no matter how chaotic, no matter how out of control, that you might have the gift of dwelling for a moment in the presence of one who loves you more than you could possibly imagine who knows you 
more than you could ever imagine. Who's pursuing you, who is for you, who literally died and gave up his life for you. Dwell in that moment. And my prayer over this time is that gratitude would well up in you. Not, not guilt. Guilt is overrated and it doesn't last. Gratitude is hard to get over. When you're just so grateful for something and uh, you put gratitude with the love of Jesus and that's a great place to dwell. It's, it's, it's a deep enough pool to get you through anything you're going through. It's, it's, it's strong enough to knock down any wall, to break any chain. It's bigger than any addiction, any possible thing that you think is big enough to stand between you and God. Gratitude over how much He loves you. It's strong enough to break those chains. And so, this morning, that's my prayer for you. I have a question, though, as we get started. Have you ever known anyone um, that at one time seemed like they really loved God? Like at one time, they were on fire for Jesus. Like the, they, the gratitude and the love that I was just talking about, it was all over their life. And they, they, they talked about it and they lived it. They were excited about what God was going to do next. They, they, they thought there was nothing that God couldn't do. And then something happens. And maybe they get confused. Maybe they get disillusioned. Maybe something changes and maybe they blame God for it because they thought, now maybe it was supposed to be different now because I'm, I'm living for God. Do you, have you ever met anyone like that? I've met a lot of people like that. I, I've met a lot of people that used to sit in these seats at one time that don't sit in those seats anymore. And even worse than that, they've, they've decided that the whole thing never happened. Have you ever met anyone like that? It's one of the saddest realities of being a pastor. And I just think about Jesus and, and how many people walked away from Him. And He did everything perfectly. Guys, if you know someone like that, never stop praying for that person. Never give up on that person. If you are that person, listen to me today. That love that I just told you about, it's real. And it's big enough. It's big enough. And so, I want to tell you a story that kind of relates to that because I, I consider myself reasonably self-aware. Reasonably self-aware, okay? I mean, I know my faults better than any of you could possibly know my faults. I, I know things that, that generally I can accomplish and things I should stay away from. Um, one random Monday in early October, Angie left to go on a business trip to Hilton Head. She's just like, did you fly on that trip? I drove you to your office. Okay, so on the way back from driving her to her office where she was going to ride with her boss, I called Brock. It's Monday, we're just checking in, and, and Brock says, man, what, what are you going to do with all your time this week, you know, with, without Angie around? Because we spend a lot of time together, and, and we like to be at home together and stuff. And so I start to think, yeah, what am I going to do with all my time this week? And I start going through the the choices in my head, and there's in no particular order, okay? Um, the first one, well, I could play a lot of golf this week. 
I mean, it's October's a great time to play golf. I could play a lot of golf this week. I could just be like Brock and just spend extra time in the Word and just try to, try to you know, let the kingdom come in more. I could do that. Um, I could, knowing what I know now, found, I could have found a cure for COVID. That would have been a, a good use of, of my time. Um, I could have taken an online crash course in becoming a grandfather because, you know, that's, that's kind of, I could have done that. Um, I could have done what my daughter Kayla has started to do and tried to watch every episode of all 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, which is what Kayla has started to do now that her finals are over. I could have done any of those things. Or I could be a blessing to my wife. And one of our we will statements here at Whitestone is we will swing hard and hope to hit something. Okay, and so for a long time, Angie and I have been talking about fixing the house up a little bit. Like we, we, we like a lot of things about our house, but it's kind of choppy in the middle. Like the little kitchen, little dining room, little living room. And we've sat in there and we've talked about, man, we'd love, I'd love to just have one big room right here. And we talked about it and she always, I mean, she knows my capabilities. I mean, um, so I, w- I said, what if I just started it? And she said, no, we're not going to just start it. We'll never have a house to live in again. And so... We've had these conversations. Well, on the way back from taking her to her office, I had the revelation, an epiphany. God wants me to knock those walls down today. And so I go immediately home. And, and let me precursor. We did have Mike Hamlin actually look at the walls to make sure that the house wouldn't fall down if we took the walls. We did that, okay? So we had some advice. But I go home, and I literally I take a sledgehammer, and I start knocking the walls down. Then I start taking pictures. I send them to Kayla because I want her to, and Kayla's like, oh, that's awesome. Mom's going to kill you. So that night I had a bunch of guys over to sit around the fire pit in the backyard and I was so proud of myself. I said, come in and show, I want to show you what I did. Mike Hamlin was there and, and you know, Mike Hamlin is, is, not only is he like my only friend that's risen from the dead, um, he's also very kind. And he, he, ne- he never says anything that's not kind, okay? And so he walks in and he sees what I've done and, and he doesn't say anything, but I can read his thought bubble and he's thinking, you have no idea what you've done. And I'm still kind of proud. And so every waking minute since October, I've been obsessed with this house. It's like I've been... All the demolition's done, and now we're starting to put stuff back. But things that I used to enjoy about my house, I don't enjoy anymore. I used to love being at home. And now, every time I'm at home, and by the way, I was locked in my house for like a month, to either work on this or just sulk about what I've done. Things I used to enjoy about being at home, all I see is the undoneness. Things that used to be simple at my house are now not simple at all. Like, Making toast is no longer simple because you have to figure out where I've moved the cabinet that was ripped off the wall that has the toaster in it. Every time we have a meal, finding a cup is difficult. And for a while I was okay with it because I'm a pretty optimistic person. I'm pretty upbeat. And then I started feeling in the last week, and Angie can bear witness to this, Stacy and people at the office, I started to get depressed. It's like I've been lifeless like for three days, I sat and stared at the walls because I couldn't leave. 
I could have been doing so. I could have painted a cat. I, could, I just sat there and stared at it. I didn't watch TV. I just got depressed. Anybody ever been depressed? It's awful. I know how to pray for you better now. Because I've, I've never had something like that happen where you make a decision that you can't unmake. Anybody ever done that? Like ring a bell that you can't unring? Anybody have a past? Anybody have any wreckage in their life that you think, why did I ever do that? No. I mean, this was a choice. I had good intentions, Rusty. I had good intentions. I wanted to bless my wife. And I end up in, on the verge of a spiritual and an emotional abyss because I had complicated my life in such a way that I did, the things that used to be important in my house weren't getting the attention anymore. Well, you know the most important thing in my house is my wife. She wouldn't get any attention. My kids, I mean, unless they were helping me paint something, they weren't getting any attention, and they weren't helping me paint, by the way. Why am I telling you this? Because I think there's a lesson to be learned about dwelling in the presence of God. See, my dwelling, I took a sledgehammer to in the name of progress. And I'm not saying it's not going to be great one day. But right now, I just had to start asking God, what am I supposed to learn from this? There's got to be a spiritual truth in this because I'm hoping you're just not punishing me for some, something I don't even know I'm being punished for. I made a decision. I can't unmake that decision. The only way to get through it is to go through it. And so I could just sit and sulk and be depressed or I can try to see God in the midst of it, what God might be trying to say to you today through it. It could be something like this. Just because you find yourself in a place that seems familiar doesn't mean it's home. And maybe you shouldn't stay there. Say it again. My house looks like my house, but it's not my house right now. It's a construction project that's sa it's sa it's sucking the life out of me. It's making me not a good person. And so, spiritually, I think that same kind of thing can be true for some people. Like, you found yourself in this major, you got, like, your life's this major mess all of a sudden. What are you supposed to do? I would, I would say this. I would say simplify. In this season of Advent, as we contemplate Jesus, let me ask you this. Are you seeing him as well as you want to see him? Are you hearing him as well as you want to hear him? If not, change something. Change something. I'm, I've still got this, this major mess on my hands, but I'm not going to let it consume my life to the point that I'm not a husband anymore or a father anymore or a pastor anymore. Spiritually think there are some things in your life that we can learn from both passages we've read today. I just want, so all I want to do is look at two things, okay? I want to look a little bit at the shepherds that Kayla read about earlier and then the disciples walking on that road because there's something that we can learn from both of them, okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. Proximity does not necessarily equal priority. Proximity, being close to something, doesn't necessarily equal priority. It doesn't mean you're giving it the importance that it needs. I've been living in my house, but I haven't felt at home. 
There's some people in this room that are sitting in a church, but you're not close to God. That makes sense? Proximity doesn't necessarily equal priority, and we see that in the lives of the shepherds and of the disciples in different ways. Let me see if I can make it make sense to you. Have you noticed how much in, in Paul's writings he described the relationship between us and Jesus, the church and Jesus, as a, a marriage, a wedding relationship? The church is the bride of Christ. Most marriages I know happen in a home, in a dwelling. But there are a lot of people who are married who just live in the same house. Some of you have walked through this before. Just, just being in the same house. Proximity doesn't necessarily equal priority because there are a lot of people's marriages that are in pretty bad shape because they're not given the priority that they need. See, I think that's one of the things that God's trying to show me through this whole house thing. It's not that... It's not about my marriage. It's about prioritizing things that are supposed to be prioritized. See, my confession to you, and the reason I, I talk about that story, is that I allowed the priorities in my own home to be taken hostage by things that are less important. Thinking that I, it's, it's going to be better if I just finish this part, rather than living for things that really matter. See, in a relationship with God, it's just like a marriage. The more divided our hearts are, the more distant we feel from them. Does that make sense to you? Let's, let's see if this makes sense. Intentionality leads to intimacy. If, if I want to if I, if I be close to my wife, taking intentional steps towards things she enjoys, making her feel valued, that, that makes a difference. Guys, they're all like that, by the way. Okay? It's a good thing. Intentionality leads to intimacy. Indifference leads to isolation. You agree with that too? Indifference, you just act like I don't care. Well, things are, things, things are starting to separate. Guys, your priorities, your purpose, your point of view, all affect the power or the strength of your relationship with your spouse or with God. Priorities matter. And the busier we get, the easier it is to get them mixed up. So as we talk about dwelling in the presence of God this Advent, I'm asking you to learn two lessons, one from the shepherds, one from the, these disciples. And, and they're, really, they're really simple. Here's the first one. Are you ready? From the shepherds. See, the shepherds were in a field at night, doing their job. So they were on the night shift. It wasn't a glamorous job, but it was what they were paid to do. So God interrupts it with an angelic host, and they basically say, hey, the Messiah's born today. Go find him. Really simple. They, they weren't in close proximity to Jesus. They were in a field, but their priorities were right. God said go, the angels said go, and so they simply went. Guys, when's the last time you feel like your life was that simple? In the midst of whatever you got going on, God just says, hey, this is what I want you to do, and you just, you just do it. Guys, there's such freedom in that. There is such 
freedom in that. See, and this is good news for you. Because proximity is really more about where you're going than where you are at that moment. See, being close to God, some of you think, ah, I just don't feel close to God. Which direction are you going? Because if one step towards him means you're getting, proximity is getting closer. Okay? We can learn from the shepherds that even if you're in the middle of a field, and you don't even know where to exactly find him, are you willing to go scour through every barn, every manger in Bethlehem looking for, for a baby? If God says to, it says they did it with great joy. And they couldn't stop talking about it. Guys, it is possible to find joy in what God's called you to do. I mean, if you're like me, you grew up going to a church where somebody screamed at you all the time, made you feel bad, and, and it's like there's nothing, like, guys, there's, the Psalms say, at his right hand, joy's unending. Pleasure's unimaginable. It's not like God's wanting to punish you when he asks you to do something. It is possible to find great joy in it. Keep it simple. They had one thing to do. Go find him. And they found him. They saw him. They'd never seen him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in cloth. That was their instruction. Well, I guess maybe there weren't that many babies in mangers. But they knew him when they saw him. But yet, in Luke 24... We see disciples of Jesus who had followed him around for three years. Some of them had heard every word he'd ever taught. Jesus is walking on the road next to them, and they don't recognize him. The the Bible says it in in Luke 24, because their eyes wouldn't let him see until something happened. Until something happened... And it's when they chose to abide with Jesus, to stay with Jesus. Because it said they walked down the road. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was until he was about to act like he was about to keep going. And then they said, please stay with us. Tarry with us. The day's pretty, pretty well spent. It's evening. Please stay. And it says Jesus stayed with them. That word stay is, is the Greek word mano. And it, it literally means not to depart, to continue to be present, to be, to be held, kept continually. And once they realized that Jesus was staying with them and they wanted him to stay miraculously, their eyes were open. And they understood, guys, that's a beautiful thing. How many of you think, if I could have heard Jesus, just, if he would just speak to me audibly, that would make all the difference. These guys were walking on the road. He's right next to them, and they don't have a clue who he is. They're talking to him about him, insulting him about him. Are you the only person here that doesn't know what's going on? Guys, some of our prayers, I think that's how God hears them. It's like we're talking to God like he doesn't know what's going on. And he's the only one who knows what's going on. How would it be different, though, if you had been on that road? If, if you... Listen, 
Verse 27 is one of my most favorite passages in all the Bible. Verse 27 of Luke 24, it says this. It says, and beginning with Moses, which is Genesis, and all the prophets, Jesus went through all the scriptures, every one of them, and pointed out everything and explained how it related to him. Guys, if there's one conversation in the history of mankind that we could have all heard, that would be the one I would want to hear. Every question about where does Jesus fit in this thing from the mouth of Jesus. Beautiful. Beautiful. But guess what? You're never going to hear that conversation. So I guess we're all just out of luck, right? No. Because you actually have a better teacher than Jesus. Don't throw anything at me. You have a better teacher and Jesus, because Jesus said, I'm going to go back to the Father because it's better for you if I go because then the Father's going to send the counselor. He said it right here in Luke 24, wait in the city until the promise of the Father comes. See, see, we don't have physical Jesus walking next to us on the road, but we've got the indwelling power of Jesus. The, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of the Holy Spirit, and it lives in you, people. And it, it, it leads you into truth. It makes Jesus stuff make sense. And without the Holy Spirit, Jesus is foolishness to the world. That's what Paul says. The whole gospel is foolishness because it's only, you're only able to understand it because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And you don't have to, you don't have to buy it. You, you, you don't sign up for it. You don't order it on Amazon. It, it's given to you when you accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus. And only then will your eyes be opened and your ears be opened so that you can see what's really important. See, I think one of the reasons so many Christians get bitter when they get older is they never die to their old agendas. See, the shepherds had no context for what was going on. They just had one thing to do and they went and did it and they did it with great joy. Okay, But the longer you walk with Jesus the more ideas we have about who God is, the more things we learn and we learn wrong, and then we have to unlearn them, right? The more people let us down, the more that we pray for something, but God has a different idea and he doesn't do exactly what we want, and so we get bitter about that. I, I, that's kind of what I think was happening with these disciples. See, they'd been following Jesus around for three years. They said it right there. They thought, they're upset because they thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. In other words, he was going to become earthly king, and now he's dead, and they haven't died to that idea to the point that they don't even recognize Jesus is walking right next to them. Guys, it is possible, and believe me, professional Christian here, pastor, I'm still unlearning things. I'm still being enlightened to, oh, that's more the heart of God. And maybe some of the things that I wanted for myself, maybe God really does know better. And maybe when I unlearn or die to some, some old dreams, maybe God might breathe some life into new ones. One of the best things you could get for this Advent season would be a fresh wind of God's Spirit to, to show you a picture of something about the kingdom to get caught up in something that's beautiful, that God wants to do, to, to, to 
to spread the aroma of Jesus from your life to somebody else's. Maybe we've got to unlearn some things so that we can see the important things. Because proximity does not always equal priority. We can be close to God, but not see Him if our priorities are all mixed up. If we're not living for the things that Jesus said, hey, live for this. If you're just living for yourself, claiming to be walking with Jesus, something's, that, 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 that didn't add up. That makes sense? If you're going to dwell in the moment, keep it as simple as possible. Unlearn some things. Die to some old dreams so that God can raise up some new ones. That's where peace is found. That's where peace is found, and that's my prayer over each of you. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would teach us something from just the simple humility and obedience of those shepherds that just did exactly what you told them to do and and found great joy in it. And God, help us to be disciples that recognize you when we see you. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of the people in, in this room to see your intentions in their life, to hear your voice, to, to hear the call of the shepherd, to, to be willing to respond when you ask. It's a gift to be a part of the story. Help us to always remember that the story is not about us. It's about a redeeming love that reached into a lost and dying world that could never get to you unless you came to us. I pray maybe there's some people in this room today that would say yes to that. And be grateful. And live like forgiven people. It can be that simple. I pray it would be in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship in response to the word.